You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at Season 2, Episode 5 of Bugs, entitled (sighs) Blackout. I've been looking forward to this synopsis since I watched this episode. (laughs) Okay. Well then, let us delay no further. Episode synopsis. Roz is getting a tour of the Energen Split Isotope Fusion Power Plant arranged by her friend Alex. She is unfortunately there when terrorists from the pro-Earth People's Front take the station for ransom. She avoids detection as the other occupants are either killed or taken hostage, including her friend Alex. The forces of Energen make a big entrance at the headquarters of Team Bugs, because I refuse to call them gizmos, demanding that they help resolve this crisis. Energen have conveniently brought in a command and control center specifically connected to the power plant to make this easier for Beckett and Ed without Roz being there to hack in. Pascal, leader of the pro-Earth People's Front, makes their demands. No fusion, go solar, save the Earth, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't really matter what they're asking for. Beckett knows it's a ruse. No one has ever heard of the pro-Earth People's Front, and Pascal doesn't show up in a search of the database of faces of people who've ever attended a rally to save the Earth. This is the 1990s. They must be after money. A review of the power plant plans reveals an escape tunnel under the facility, which Ed decides to try to use to enter the plant. The Energen representative tells him that the tunnel is still under construction and he'll never get in that way. Ed tries anyway and discovers the tunnel isn't so much as under construction, but rather it is completed and being used as a storage room. He easily gains access to the facility. Meanwhile, Ross has reactivated security cameras and has been feeding info to Beckett. They've uncovered two things. First, that Pascal has a Confederate outside in the financial district, where the real crime is going to take place. And second, that an arms dealer, Kolvek, has been monitoring what the terrorists have been doing and offers them a bonus $10 million if they'll steal the isotope triggers while they're there. Pascal goes along with the deal to the misgivings of Travis, the inside man confederate that helped them gain access to the power plant and its workings. Removing the triggers will result in a five-mile radius fireball, which would be an impressively big boom, even by bug standards. Ed and Ross meet up, but their presence is detected, and they are on the run. They manage to overcome one of the terrorists and take his headset, keeping them one step ahead of their pursuers. Beckett learns that the target is the currency exchange, but he is assured that the security system is absolutely invulnerable. Beckett knows that invulnerable security systems are just another Saturday when Team Bugs is around. One of the executives at the security exchange is Lecombe. Pascal's confederate on the outside. Beckett plants a bug. The plan goes into execution, which is this. They shut down all of the power to the city and then build up enough surplus that they can channel it all at the security exchange, rendering their security system brain dead. Then they send micropulses of power to the security exchange, tricking something into believing something is still doing something by way of, I don't know, power over Ethernet or 
something. Anyway, Beckett sorts that out, getting Lacombe killed in the process. Roz whips up a hacking program that will help them eventually, but they're just doing it on a laptop, and battery technology being what it is, Ed has to go looking for a fill-up. He gets captured. Pascal takes the triggers, starting the 10-minute countdown to Boomtown. As she escapes, Kolvek meets her at her escape route, a jeep placed at the end of the impassable tunnel. Roz chases them down on Ed's motorcycle and gets them both killed, recovers the triggers, and gets them back in place, just in time, with a cold helping hand from Ed. The end. Okay. Well done. <laughs> Blackout. Blackout. Um, what did you think about Blackout? You almost made it sound like it made some sort of sense. And I think <laughs> I that's... retarded that. That's quite impressive. That's quite impressive. I mean, it's just, uh, it, I, th- I think, I think Bugs has a tendency to try and string together a bunch of set pieces uh-huh. and hang hang them off some kind of plot. And last week, I was complaining about how they were using the science fiction element purely as a MacGuffin um, rather than exploring it anyway, so that they could they could write some sort of thriller around it. They don't appear to have bothered too much about writing a thriller around it this time. It's literally just, hey, this is a really random thing. Let's throw this in the episode. Sure, whatever. Yeah, let's have the uh, the Energen blow the doors off Roz's flat because uh, no reason, and then run the entire security operation from there because why wouldn't you? I think that there were just not enough explosions to meet their quota, which is why they had to blow the door at yeah. the at the beginning but uh, i i mean the the whole I, I was trying to work out what the pitch was for the episode because it's it, it's not immediately obvious that you would rob a bank by taking over a power station and there are a number of reasons no. why that's not obvious i mean one of them would be well how does taking over a power station help you rob a bank yeah and another might be Surely taking over a power station is a lot more complicated than robbing a bank. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it, the risk analysis, cost benefit analysis here in this, uh, this caper just doesn't really. I would think you could probably rob 30 or 40 banks, smaller banks, and get the same amount of money than the amount of risk you're expending to take over a power station to knock well, over one bank. Yeah, you know, you know, has or, more money. Work in out, it, but work out another way of achieving the ends that you're after that is slightly less involved than controlling the entire power grid for Metropolitan, which now appears to be a city. So, I mean, there's all of that added, you know, added in. That let's have a bit of a subplot here. Yeah, we'll have just some other random criminal monitoring our criminals, and then yeah, patching into the security of the power station that they have taken over in order to make them a proposition that it would make no sense for them to agree to. And yet they agree to. Right. 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 Blowing up the city just makes their, uh, their crime even worse for when they get caught, you know, even if they get away with it, with all that money, if they've, if they've blown a five mile radius crater in the middle of metropolitan, uh, they're guilty of mass murder not just 
Yeah, small they scale are, but, murder. But, but, but also, you know, the chances of they, they're, they're overcomplicating the crime that they're committing in order to steal something. <laughs> they're overcomplicated for, crime, yeah. For a, well, yeah, they're overcomplicating the already overcomplicated crime in order to steal something to trade with a criminal who they have no reason to trust or believe that he will actually deliver on the price that he is offering. So it, it's, it's all a, yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, goodness me. That leaves aside the fact that I have no idea how it is that he is going to benefit from whatever he is trying to get them to steal from for him. I don't know. Uh, I, we, we can talk about the, the fusion technology. I'm not an expert on it, but I, I'll throw in a couple other things that while just on your idea of them hanging a bunch of pieces together that I have noted down here as little nitpicks but now that you mention that idea it fits what was the point of the coins <laughs> they never used them in the context of hey let's slip Coin. this in somebody's pocket so they won't know that they're being bugged instead they just walked around holding a coin to their face and talking to it a coin which i might add has bright glowy leds on it well, it has bright, glowy LEDs on it in the shots. I mean, obviously, that make it, the in-world um, value of the coin is massively diminished by the fact that it doesn't camouflage very well with most coins, which, you know, tend <clears throat> not to have bright, glowy LEDs on it. But yeah. it only has the bright, glowy LEDs in a few shots, which opens up the opportunity for the props department to basically take a few days off because instead of having to put complicated radio or headset equipment on the leads they can just have them talk into something they pulled out of their own wallet well i guess maybe that's the idea i thought since these people are constantly wired all the time anyway i mean we've been seeing that for the last 14 episodes or so that they've always got their headsets on and talking to each other and i know they can get those stolen but it wasn't a plot point no. in this story no. in any way, shape, or form. And the other part that wasn't a plot point was their phasers again. They broke in. They phasered the security thing with their tasers or whatever they are. But everywhere, well, they else, they they used were, plain, but... everywhere else, they used plain old bullet guns. Yes, bullet guns. <laughs> yeah. So oh, why yes, were they – why did they – they brought those just so they could shoot the security system? But they also brought like bombs, which would have worked much better. Just plant one and go. Well, yes, yes, exactly. I mean, i i have an I have another issue with with the way. I mean, obviously, part of that whole tasering of the computer systems was the whole cool melty effect that you get when it has been heat heat weaponed or whatever. I, I mean, it doesn't doesn't work like the tasers that we've seen before either. But mm. it's also the fact that when they when they they reactivate one of the security links and it displays on a screen and the screen is in the security room within the power station but the key thing is that they have somehow really really efficiently managed to link in wirelessly so that they are getting the security feed sent back to Roz's flat to be monitored there and so the guy comes in and he sees the monitor displaying the security feed and he taser stays a weapons the the screen mm -hmm. and it kills the feed even though that's not presumably how you would have wirelessly jacked into the feed that too, yeah that's true that's absolutely true it, it none of it makes a lot of sense and 
you know, nothing makes as little sense as the we're going to use a power station to somehow thwart the security system. I listened to it twice and I don't do that very often, but I went back and I listened to it again and all it did was make my head hurt. I have no clue what they were trying to do. It's like, it's somehow they were like confusing power with networking. And I know you can do networking. You can do ethernet over power lines and you can do power over ethernet lines, but that, that, that's not the way it works. And and I think they I couldn't... think the idea they were getting at was that somehow if they if they turned the power on and off very quickly, then the equipment would read that as data, ignoring the fact that while the power was off, the equipment would be unpowered and unable to read anything. So it would just be rebooting very, very fast. Yeah, I think I think well, you know, there is a there is a certain amount of hysteresis if if the power fails for short enough time you know, brownout sure. or something, you might, yeah. you might yeah. still be able to keep the computer functioning. So I think they're, they're trying to pulse it in a series of rapid brownouts, but they would. Not really stable. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to try to go there with the idea that you could, you could make it think that the power fluctuations were data, but even if you could make it, they would have to fluctuate the power in such a way that it would simulate meaningful data. And, that if they could do that, they could just they've got an inside man in this place. They could just freaking kill all the guards and take the money. I don't know. <laughs> like, oh, wait, or, they did or, that, too. Or, yeah. Or, you know, I mean, there are oh gosh, there are a couple of things there, which is surely if if they are able to impose. Well, yeah. All right. There is some there is some mumbo jumbo about in here about taking over the grid and focusing the power. Because that's that that's got to be the excuse for why they have to take over the station rather than just surreptitiously planting something that will superimpose this signal on the power supply going to the bank, which actually, when I think about it, needn't even be done inside the power station. Right. But there, are, there is the related issue of if this if this technological approach to sending data over the power grid actually worked because i mean it's an engineering issue isn't it we, we we you've mentioned the fact that you can provide power and data over the same ethernet cable there's also the same or sorry another networking technology that i imagine you have over your networks because it's got to be the same even though your voltage is different where you can send data over your power Mm-hmm. you know over over your household power circuits as an alternative to wi-fi it gives you you know gives you faster speed and so forth um not quite ethernet quality but still better than wi-fi and to engineer these kinds of the 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 the, the, the basically the the fidelity to give you that bandwidth is quite uh a, a large accomplishment i mean it's taking a lot of research and development and bringing bringing a technology like now they're talking about something on a whole different scale and mm-hmm. if they had developed that technology be worth more than 10 million what would it be worth yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> or however much they're getting out of the yeah it it no it doesn't make much sense the whole thing doesn't make much sense <laughs> it, it, you're right it is just a it is a series of set pieces to 
hey, how about let's have Ed ride a motorcycle through a tunnel that's strewn with some stuff. Uh, (laughs) Because you you need an underground escape route from a whatever the hell kind of a power station this is because split, of... split isotope fusion reactor. Right. Right. What it, yeah. I couldn't find anything uh, about split isotope fusion reactors. So I don't, I think that might be gobbled that they came up with uh, not well, fusion reactors, implosions. But... Well, okay. So right. The, the, in layman's terms and boy, am I a layman on this, you know, a, a fusion the nuclear reactors we all have now are fission reactors where they take a heavy element and they split it. And the split with, you know, EMC equals MC squared, there's changes in mass and, and the bonds and stuff. And there's an enormous amount of energy released and radiation because you're taking a heavy element, which is very dense, and you're breaking it up into light elements. Fusion, which is the process that operates in the sun, is a, a compression technique in the sun it's done by immense gravimetric power and lighter elements like hydrogen and helium get crushed together and they change state and when they change state it's an even bigger release of energy and you know it's the holy grail to try to achieve fusion and so an implosion is one way that I, I kind of an implosion that sort of makes sense because what they're trying nowadays what they try to do is bombard it with massive lasers to cause it to crush inwards. So you could call that an implosion. So, I mean, well, yes, yes, no, no, but but it makes, yeah, it makes sense for there to be an implosion. I mean, this is, this is, this is clearly, this is clearly the kind of sci-fi element in this story, which again goes completely unexplored that they had, that they have a fusion power station. And the, I mean, yeah, a big one. The possibilities of fusion are so incredibly exciting for all of the reasons that you said, and also the possibilities of, of you know, being able to, to scale down the uh, kinds of things that you could power using nuclear. And they could have gone off on any of those things. That would, that would all been very exciting. Instead, something about robbing a bank, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, ra- layered on top of that, then this subplot about, about removing the isotopes and because i because i i don't understand how the fusion stuff works so i benefited from your very clear and simple explanation <laughs> i but i don't know how it would explode i i well i am i am relating this thing about taking about lifting the isotopes out to taking the rods out of a fission reactor mm-hmm. and obviously you know after the very very excellent uh, sky series about chernobyl in recent years and then that led me on to kind of read a book about chernobyl and so we're all much more well all of us who've watched the show have are all much more kind of aware of how the how the kind of meltdowns occur where those uranium cores are not properly cooled because they right. you know they once what you know once the reaction starts it's it's kind of uncontrolled and that doesn't seem to be the problem it's not it's not that these the the yeah no it it makes no sense it I, makes no sense i, I wanted i wanted to understand a bit more about that why you know why it was going to cause an implosion and and a bit of the the technical mumbo jumbo around it and 
this episode it is it's definitely trying to have its cake and eat it because there is literally a line in it where the guy goes, give them some techno babble about this. And this episode is full of technical babble. And yet, ironically, at that moment, he comes out with something that is probably almost 90% actually com- comprehensible. Yes, there is, there is no doubt that whoever wrote this was thinking fission reactor and thinking control rods. I remove what keeps the reaction going and it goes uncontained, but it should be exactly the opposite with a fusion reactor, right? You remove that which causes the fusion, then nothing happens. And what you've got is a bunch of, you know, light elements, nickel and downwards, more likely. Well, that's what I wanted to know. That's, that's, so, yeah, that's no, what I'm you, wondering. I just don't see how this could cause an explosion. That's That's one of the, that's one of the things that is like is why we want fusion is, you know, I think part of it is they want to, they want to present, Hey, here's this new technology. And like all technology, it's going to be bad and blow <laughs> stuff up, which I, I do think there's a, a childlike uh, desire to do that the way they're presenting it because, Oh, look, escape tunnel. Maybe it's not as safe as people say it is. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. <laughs> I could see other problems happening, but it just, you know, it, some sort of magic pulse could go out and it could wipe out all the security systems around the city. That'd be a lot worried. Maybe the floodgate doesn't come down. Then the water comes in and from the Thames, I don't know. <laughs> like I it was it was not it was not a good episode in terms of technical accuracy by by any stra- stretch of the imagination. In terms of technical accuracy, the other little piece of technology in here was the uh, the cell track scanner as they described it. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You know, we're talking I mean, about technology that's so old now. But in the old analog cell phones, yeah, that it, to me, to me that that seemed a little bit more accurate. I mean, it was it was presented poorly, but it it was quite interesting to see that kind of because because we're just the the diet of regular you know non sci fi just cop show cop show cop show stuff. The whole cell phone triangulation and all this kind of thing is just mm-hmm. so familiar to us now, and the differences between when you have. The, or the ability to triangulate on the old-fashioned analog, and then the new digital stuff, and which tower is it connected to, and what data does that give you? And all it—that's just regular path of the course stuff now. That, not... that is their sonic, you know, it's like their sonic screwdriver, just like their ability to walk up to an electronic lock and go, "Oh, I'm in." And then that is pretty much just in their toolkit. It felt like to me. Remember, and Ed did the same thing when he got to the floodgate. He had to do a little, oh, yeah, yeah well, I'm in. Fine. Just they, they've been doing that all season where they just get up, walk up to the electronic doors and go in. They don't have to worry about it anymore. So, yeah, cell phone tracker, just as, just as plausible. Just, just as plausible. I'll talk about a failure of set design. I've hinted at it. It's that tunnel. That, that was obviously a real tunnel somewhere, I think that they shot in and they just brought in a bunch of junk, Uh, bring in some pallets and stuff and set it up and uh, we'll make it look like it's, I don't know, under construction. Didn't look like that. 
It looked like it, it was uh, colored. Well, it, yes, yeah, it did. It, and it also looked to me like, I mean, it may have been a real tunnel. It looked to me like they reused the same piece of tunnel in two shots. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it wasn't so that it, long of a tunnel. I, well, yeah. I think it might have been very short indeed. So I don't know how how real a tunnel it was. But also the idea that it was under construction. Well, maybe you were putting some cabling in the tunnel or whatever, which would, I don't know, suggest that it's it's not actually an escape tunnel though what cabling would you be putting in now with the power station fully commissioned but brand new you'd have thought i I, yeah and apparently took over the entire power grid of the city in one go yeah yeah uh yeah (laughs) and yeah it just it it looked it looked terribly messy but no it didn't look real mess this is the problem i've got right it's just like stacks of pallets and things like construction here's some cables and here's some Here's some flex. And, it looked and... it looked cluttered in a way that everything looked quite sort of, I guess, clean. But yet it didn't look ordered in a way that actually what you see on construction sites are everything can be a bit, uh, well, I mean, not tatty, but people don't worry yeah. about keeping things pristine. What they do worry no, about is making dusty. sure that yeah. everything is well ordered because you for health and safety reasons, you don't just want to leave stuff lying around all over the place. You well, you have health sure and safety you're... on your construction sites too. <laughs> I know, you guys go really it. all in. <laughs> you guys go all in on this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that on a construction site, but uh, in real life. But <laughs> but you make a good case for it. It, it definitely just did not look like it looked like a whatever it was was a completely finished building that somebody set design cheaply brought in some pallets and set them up and uh it you know what it reminded me of no joke do you remember uh i want to say it's the babylon 5 episode i think it's babylon squared where mm-hmm. they go to babylon 4 and they're using oh, the yeah. same sets they've just set up pallets of stuff that's cling wrapped yes, yes. All over. It's exactly what I was thinking of when I saw that. It's like, oh, that just, yep. <laughs> so that's that's shorthand for, huh, we're not done here yet. <laughs> yeah. Except when you're close to done, usually the pallets are empty. Yes. Right? Or they're half yeah, used. Exactly. Or they're, like, this exactly. just looked like this, this is where we're keeping it. Yeah. It didn't quite fit with, you know, somewhere that had been used you know it was used for storage and then being repurposed that would make but it would but then you know stuff would be dusty and old or whatever or if it was a brand new tunnel that they were just they were bringing in some stuff to fit the cables in they wouldn't have there wouldn't Mm -hmm. be such a mixture of stuff you know it would be quite minimal because when they were constructing the tunnel they would obviously have they wouldn't have been able to have anything else in there because you know they're actually finishing the concrete and concrete and what, is kind of messy and yeah they've got so what was the deal the with shuttering or whatever the guy from uh uh energen saying oh you'll never get in that way what was that no all idea. about I mean, <laughs> like okay so he had to well open the door and then he didn't even need a passcode to get into the building coming in from the tunnel yeah <laughs> But then the yeah. first thing he does is he grabs an ID card off of a dead body because obviously that'll make it easier to go through the rest of the place. And I just, I'm, I'm just going to say, there's a line in this that I love. I didn't necessarily write it down exactly. But Pascal, when they capture Ed, looks at Travis, the inside man, and says, 
He says he works here. And Travis looks at him and says, lots of people work here. <laughs> like, which yeah. is a very good answer. It's a great answer. And of course, that's why you put pictures on your company ID cards. Yes. Which obviously the one that he took off the dead body did not have. Yes, indeed. Or, or but, even a I name. Mean, yeah, and, and you wouldn't you wouldn't have that kind of lack security in a power station now. I don't know whether you would have done in 1995. I kind of thought it was a it was a nice line because it actually, you know, normally the the kind of pat assumption is, yeah, you've got the inside man. He knows everything about the company. And in most respects, he was actually incredibly capable of using every single piece of equipment that controlled the power station. Plus really advanced uh, data programming over networks. If, indeed, indeed. Um, but but yeah, I I quite liked, yeah, the, the kind of realism of the idea that actually a big power station like that would be staffed by an awfully large number of people doing a whole range of jobs and no one would be familiar with everyone else in the building. I, I am kind of surprised it didn't have a name on it because, and I'm thinking, I could be wrong here, but if Pascal had gone to the station in the guise of a tourist on a tour and she was being toured around by the tour guide, usually tour guides introduce themselves and that is the man she murdered. So pulling the ID out of Ed's and then looking at it, it (laughs) clearly had no name on it and no picture on it. I said, well, this is like he works here. It was a an access card, card yeah, with no, no, you know, without it being actually linked to the person. Again, you know, where I work, all of our access cards are individualized. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, would it have been, would it have been for a high security, for a high security installation like a, a power station? Would it have been too cutting edge and expensive in '95? Seems unlikely, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's possible. I mean, I I did work somewhere once where we had an access card that was nothing more than a white card that was serialized. When? Probably was in the nineties. Okay. Okay. So yeah, but, maybe you know, we, not a maybe not a high security that. company either. You know. Well, that, yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean that that's that what that was the thing that did surprise me. It's supposed to be an incredibly um well. Let's see now. I mean, on the one hand, a bank is a high security building and it, and, you know, contains vaults and all the rest of it. Um, on the other hand, a power station isn't something that is inherently vulnerable. So you might think it's not necessarily something that you would have to be as conscious of security around, but it's still something that, you know, the the nature of the power station and the threat of terrorism and right. for goodness sake the fact that the 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 guy who is who's running the operation instantly recognizes an arms dealer like this guy yes. this guy has been trying to get into our power station um that's true <laughs> that is true it, it's like actually yeah maybe security should be on their mind and maybe they should actually have individualized card keys. I don't know. You, you mentioned that the uh, you mentioned that the the 
you know, it's not a secure facility like the securities exchange, but I just want to point out that the securities exchange has two employees who are infiltrators, one of which is clearly an executive. Yeah. So, so much for that. <laughs> I wonder how many years it took him to get them in that position. I, and I'm, I'm thinking maybe Lacombe came along and, and, and said, I have got this idea. We could break in. I've been working here. You know, he might've been an honest guy who turned crook working for him. I don't know, but still they have a security problem. Yeah, I guess maybe in recruiters, another, another insider, yeah. but yeah. I I did I thought when you were going to say there was a line I really liked in this I thought you were going to refer to one of the incredible number of quips that got rammed into the dialogue in here all the all the kind of puns on power and now we have the power and all this mm-hmm. kind of thing the the kind of the bond mo that you it's it's the James Bond thing isn't it you you kill someone and then you kill someone by pushing them down a hole and then you say um, men always fall for you or whatever. I forget the terrible yeah. line. It's, wasn't it wasn't worth remembering, but there were a lot of them like it. There were. They like that on this show, but this this one was kind of packed. Yeah. <laughs> did he Did he die? I, I think he did, yes, because he sort of landed on his head, didn't he? Seems <laughs> like that would look be very well. I, you know, we haven't had this discussion in a while, but I wanted to have this discussion on this episode. Um, let's go... Go right for the big one. Did Roz kill those two people at the end? Um, Through direct action, she did something that caused them to crash a car that killed yes. them outright. I, well, I don't know. I don't know whether they. I don't know whether they died in the crash or whether they died in the explosion that was a result of the crash. Colvin was dead. His eyes were open. Okay, so I am sure of that. I I was kind of halfway thinking Pascal might show a flicker of eyes there as they left her just before the car blew up but she certainly didn't get out of there yeah from a philosophical point of view it's an it's uh so it's a situation where Roz's goal is not to kill them right Roz's goal is to recover the isotopy mm-hmm. things magical isotopy things yeah and so shutting the door does that and the collateral damage in that is that they are injured there's there's probably not another way of stopping them at that point but the the collateral damage there is that they are injured it's not even a necessity that they die in order for her to recover the isotope so it's 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 not that she's trying to kill them as an end in itself it's not that killing them is an essential step to the end that she is after it is that it is a possible side effect of it there's a chance that they might have survived that if they had survived that Roz would not have needed to take any further action to kill them um, in order to achieve the end that she was after which obviously was saving a lot of lives well yeah including theirs because there's no way they were five miles away from the fireball at that moment so yeah but yeah uh and so to a lesser degree Beckett does something similar Although less so, because it's not like he he raises the bridge and the other guy could have probably braked or not flipped the vehicle or something. Uh, but yeah, it's like if it weren't for the guy that got trapped, I think if it weren't for the guy that got trapped in the bank vault or in the securities exchange vault, everyone got killed in this. I hadn't thought about it, but it's true. What Beckett, what Beckett did was was he wasn't trying to save 
anyone's life. He was just trying to cut off his escape route, right? He he was he was he was trying to stop the guy. So yeah, it it I, again, you know, the end wasn't necessarily to kill the guy. It wasn't even it wasn't even a necessary step in order to bring him to justice. But it kind of was in that situation because he obviously wasn't going to wasn't going to give up. He wasn't going to slow down in this in the moment in which he did it. He knew that the guy was basically, you know, going going to go all out to try and get away if he possibly could. But at the end of the day, if he had survived and there was a chance that he was, then then that that would have been okay by Beckett. He would have brought him mm. I don't know what he would actually I was gonna say he was going to bring him into custody. He would hand yeah, them over there's to no the police. police. But there yeah. aren't any police. And so <laughs> would it have been a citizen's arrest? Or would he just have I mean, I don't know. He would why just he delivered to, him to straight to the he same prison. He, he just well, he just deliver him straight to the prison where Marcel is, and because uh, that's how the the uh, the privatized justice system works in this world. No police, just just take people in, drop them off, pay the fee. <laughs> you've, you've, <laughs> you've 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 kind of inadvertently touched on the on the elephant in the room in this episode. The kind of reason why I would have thought this should be your favorite episode of the series it, so far well in a way it is i have the i have it written here at the bottom no marcel <laughs> i have it written there as well i do well, i no mean, need for mark, him. i didn't spot any involvement of him no i don't think so and and i great I, it it he's he hasn't been needed in any of these episodes that we've seen so far and i'm not sure he would have made this episode worse if he had been in it i don't know if he'd have made it worse no but uh he, he it would have been like, actually, in a way, he would because Marcel's supposed to be smart, and this was not a smart plan. But Mar- Marcel is not necessarily the one behind the the kind of antagonists in every episode. We have actually seen him intervene against the antagonists in the episode, and we we have two separate sets of criminals in this. So you know, there's the possibility that Marcel would have been with one or the other, or playing his own game. What if his prison is within five miles of the power plant? Indeed. Good question. Good question. <laughs> I, it's, al- it's almost like there was, there was the opportunity to do something with Marcel here for once, and yet they didn't. But fundamentally, yeah, I just thought it was, it was such a daft plot that crowbarring almost any element into it would not have really been able to make it any worse, whereas the other episodes were perhaps good enough that sticking the Marcel plot line in it actually did impair them. <laughs> um, I don't have, I don't have much else. I would just say that they have the worst computer voice I've heard in all, in all, in maybe ever <laughs> on their computers announcing the destruction. I also think, eh, I don't know. The countdown timer was a little dodgy. I mean, spray a little cold stuff on there and it resets the timer. But is it really a time? Is it is it really a timer or is it an estimate? When it gets to zero, I, is that really like when I hit zero, I'm going to trigger the switch and it's going to blow up? Or is that its estimate of when it is going to blow up? I think I think I think it is an estimate. I think it's supposed to be a, a clever computer that is monitoring all the different parameters and there and then projecting something with a stupid degree of confidence so realistically what would actually be useful i mean obviously 
it would be helpful to have something not to, to not only have all of the data from the sensors that that are providing, but something that actually does a kind of a, a real time analysis on it to give you information that you can process very very quickly. Nevertheless, what you would want would be actually some degree of how bad things are and if you know if you're doing that sophisticated level of projection some degree of confidence in how likely certain outcomes are like there is this there is this level of probability that there is going to be a very big explosion in Mm -hmm. the next however many seconds just saying you know we know it's going to be 87 seconds or whatever it was it's like the it's like the classic old you're you're on a you're on a steam train and for some reason you're not venting the steam and you've got the boiler going and there you know when the pressure hits 274 it's gonna explode yeah will it will it really explode at 274 or is that just the tolerance point where it probably will explode you know it might it might go a couple beyond tolerance if they put a little extra steel behind it or something when they made the when they made it at the plant that day, or it might go a little low because there were some manufacturing imperfections in it. You don't know. It, it's just, that's well, what not, I felt like. Not only that, but it, you know, you, you actually engineer it to a much higher level than you say it is, it is actually capable of tolerating. So that it, it is, it, I mean, it's exactly the, the right comparison because what they're trying to do here is to present a, simple figure that creates drama for the viewer in in the case of the steam engine hitting that particular thing it means that you can have all the shots of the pressure gauge and the needle Mm -hmm. just rising and rising towards the magic number whatever it is and here you've got a classic countdown timer because we have all of the kind of the the digital tension and the and the the kind of the this the language there is around time-based bombs and Mm -hmm. What's what's the word I'm looking for? Bomb. Uh, what's the word? Bombs? Timer, anyway. Timer, yes. Time bomb. Time bomb. That's the word. Uh, yeah, you, know, around time, it, you know, around time bombs. And, and so, could so have been the, packing the, ice around the steam engine, and that would have lowered the temperature gauge. I would have bought that <laughs> a lot better than what he did. For the, I think, uh, for I the think they, just, they, they want to borrow the, the, the kind of jeopardy that you get from a time bomb countdown. And... The issue with doing it in that way is that you create you you create that tension, but at the same time you undermine the tension by destroying the credibility of it. And you need a balance. You need enough credibility, and yet at the same time, it needs to be sufficiently exciting. So I don't feel like this episode particularly hit that balance at any point. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> this episode may have lacked a certain amount of balance. I think that's a good. I think that's a good thing, but um, I don't know. I don't know how to turn that into a joke about having to press Y on the laptop every once in a while, which is the last <laughs> thing I have on my on my uh, list. I I love the idea, the old good old days when somebody says, "Oh, well, I'm doing it on a laptop, so it's a lot slower than if I were doing it on a real computer." <laughs> that cracks me up for starters, and then the fact that just periodically it would pop up, "Do you want to continue?" Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah i i mean and i like that i like the fact that they had brought the laptop but they had not brought 
any kind of power adapter for it. So they had no means of actually charging the battery other than going finding exactly the right battery for that laptop. Or Ed seemed to think he could find somewhere that he could charge the battery up. But I thought I I actually thought he was heading down to the uh, control center to try to to try to like pull two wires loose from the power plant and jam them in the leads to see if he could charge that. I really thought that was what was going to happen in this episode. I thought that that's a bridge too far, guys. You're not really going to try that. Surely, surely you're not going to try that. And then, and, 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 then and if you if you if you could do that, why couldn't you just plug the power into the laptop and have it running off the mains? Um, you know, they didn't even bother to make a quip about you know running out of power in a power plant. So, given all the quips they did make, <laughs> I don't know where they yeah. were going here. Totally irresponsible and reticent of them from that. I can't think that. I I don't have anything else, but I did just want to have it because it's uh it, you know it's an interesting episode in certain ways. I wanted to have a a look at the the people involved. Well, for for one thing, uh, so we have Samantha Beckinsale appearing in this. That's noteworthy because she is the daughter of Richard Beckinsale, who. For do you get porridge over in the states? This is a seventies sitcom. No, so. I've heard of porridge, but I've never seen it. So that's that's the thing I know Richard Beckinsale from. He he was in a load of other things in the sixties. Well, and 70s. that name's awfully familiar, Beckinsale. I I don't quite. Uh, I well, I I think that um, Samantha Beckinsale's half sister Kate is probably more well known these days. Um, and probably oh yeah, the yeah, there we go, the Kate Beckinsale. Well. Yes, I know that name. Yes, yeah. okay. I obviously for all of the kind of uh, incredible plotting choices and um, outstanding in one way or another dialogue. It was interesting to note who wrote this one. Um, It's written by Frank De Palma and Terry Borst. And also to make a note of that, because according to IMDb, we have another six episodes written by them to look forward to. So there's Uh, a treat. (laughs) <laughs> the, well uh, okay and we haven't seen any by them yet right no this is this is the first one that has been written by them which you know is interesting in in view of the fact that it is so outstanding um, <laughs> i did yeah. i did sit there kind of really noting the direction in this one it just felt like everyone was giving a particularly wooden performance and it's not the first episode that has been directed by Andrew Grieve. He also directed last week's episode. Mm. And I, I, I can't remember feeling, um, so there was Whirling Dervish, which I wasn't wild about, but I can't remember feeling that the big problem in that episode was the direction. Although I equally don't remember it being marvellous. He's, he, he's also going to direct... Uh, I don't think it's quite as many, but another four or five episodes to come. So that's not necessarily filling me with joy right now. But, you know, maybe his <laughs> other ones are better. You know, everybody's got to have a you got to have a, a, a low point And maybe he started there and went up or could they, be. And they? we don't yeah. we don't know the production order. So, you know, this may have been the first episode that he directed if Blackout was made before Whirling Dervish. Mm, mm, mm. i was thinking of the writers but yeah yeah but yeah same difference director writer oh man 
All right. Uh, what is the next episode? It's called Gold Rush. Oh, yes. Yes. I read the little synopsis, I'm afraid. Oh, yeah. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to that one. Okay. <laughs> is this is the next one by these guys as well? Uh, no, di- uh, different different writers. And again, different to anyone that we have seen. It's written okay. by Bruna Helen and Alison Leithart. I don't, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. It is, however, directed by Andrew Grieve. So. Mm. Okay. All right. Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure, as always. Listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of Fusion Patrol, we hope you'll consider supporting us at patreon.com slash fusion patrol or buymeacoffee.com slash fusion patrol. For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently doing a special series on Season 2 of Babylon 5. There's over a decade of previous episodes available at FusionPatrol.com. Come join the conversation on our website or Twitter. You can also find some of our other works at SoundCloud.com slash FusionPatrol. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.